We're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 1 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew there in front of you. Let me encourage you to uh, grab it there. Matthew chapter 1. And then in addition to that, uh, we're starting a new series today. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But I want you to uh, grab this thing that's in the pew in front of you. Some of you know what it is. Some of you may not. Uh, The hymnal. We use the screens these days. Uh, Hymn 175 is what I want you to turn to as well. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. So you got two things going on. I know how... uh, how tricky that can be in the pews, so if I hear a book fall or something, I'll just ignore it, and, and you know, we'll give everybody the grace there on that. Matthew chapter 1, and then hymn 175. We're going to look at both of those this morning. I want to begin by reading uh, the passage from Scripture. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18, a very familiar passage of Scripture to us, especially around Christmas time where the uh, angel appears to Joseph. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, And not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your word. Lord, we are thankful that we can look to your word to uh, mold us and shape us to become more like your son. And so this morning we pray for that as your spirit works among us, that you will tune our hearts, minds, and ears to your word and to your spirit uh, to leave here changed. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll mention we're starting a new series this morning. Uh, A few years ago, I did a series here called uh, Christmas Playlist, where we looked at different songs that we like to sing at Christmas time and uh, looked at some lyrics to those songs. It's hard to imagine now I can say that a few years ago I preached a sermon series here. This is our fourth uh, Christmas here at Scottsville Baptist. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I've come to realize with Christmas is the songs just really make Christmas so special to all of us. I mean, a few weeks ago, I was already thinking about getting the dust off of my Michael Bublé uh, 
you know, vinyl that I've got there in my office, because there are only like six weeks out of the year you can play that, and it would be acceptable, right? Now, there are some of you all who leave it on like the Christmas uh, satellite radio or something all year, and you're probably the folks who stop at the Christmas store in the summer when you go to Pigeon Forge and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I get that. You know, there are some of you all who decorate as soon as you can, but you know, I, I like to hold off a little bit, but here we are. Uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and, you know, we're allowed to do it now. So uh, as we think about Christmas and playing the songs and all of that, uh, one of the things that I think for all of us, yeah, Christmas songs get us in the Christmas mood, but one of the things that I think if we're honest, we become so familiar with the songs, we tend to sing them and not really think about what they say or not really think about the meaning behind the lyrics And so that's what we're going to look at is a few of these songs through this uh, Christmas series and look at some of the lyrics, but we're not going to like use the hymn as our text to preach out of. We're going to show how that is based in Scripture, and we're going to use the Bible and show, hey, this is a biblical or theological uh, truth that we have to apply to our lives and really has a lot of implications for us. And so today, I want to talk about the song that we sang just a few moments ago, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's hymn 175 in the hymnal. I want to read uh, just the lyrics to the first verse. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Now, you'll look at the bottom here, and you'll see it says words. It's a Latin hymn. It's actually believed that this was written somewhere around the 12th century. It's really crazy that uh, we can still sing songs uh, on Christmas time that are that old. Uh, but as you look to that uh, at the bottom, I want you to notice at the top, most of the hymns in the hymnal uh, will have a Bible verse under the title of the hymn. And this one has Isaiah 7:14. It says, The virgin will be with child. And we'll give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. Now, I want to focus on that word Emmanuel. And one thing that you'll probably notice just in the hymnal is that Emmanuel in the title is with an E, and Emmanuel in the scripture is with an I. And it at least makes you scratch your head and think, what's the difference? Well, both of these have the same exact meaning. They're transliterations, and a transliteration is where you take a a word in another language that you may not exactly have a word for in English, and so you just transliterate it. In other words, you just write it out how it would sound in English if you were saying those words in that other language. And so Emmanuel here actually has its roots in uh, Hebrew, and so with an I is the transliteration from Hebrew, Uh, with an E is the transliteration from Greek. But it literally means this, Emmanuel is the idea of of with us, is what that means, Emmanuel, and then El is God. And so when we think about the term Emmanuel, it literally means God with us or God is with us. And so as you look to uh, this first verse of this um, song, it echoes the words of Israel crying out in their oppression. We've talked about that recently. All throughout the Old Testament, Israel seemed to either be enslaved or being oppressed or taken over by another uh, kingdom because of uh, God's judgment and because of other things going on um, in, in their kingdom. But really, this recalls the words of Israel's oppression and them saying, O come, Emmanuel, O come, 
Messiah, the one who's to come to deliver us and save us. And as you look throughout the Old Testament, one thing that we all can, can think and agree upon, I believe, is that while God's interaction with his people in the Old Testament was wonderful, like having God with us would be a much bigger deal, right? I mean, having God with us, walking with us, being with us all the time would be a much bigger deal than, than those times in the Old Testament where it seems like God's guidance and leading kind of came and went as he so chose. And we know this is true, like, if we think of our own context today, being with someone it's very different than being far away and maybe just being over the phone. My family realized this again this Thanksgiving, as this week uh, some of my family were sick, and this was the third year in a row we couldn't go to Somerset for Thanksgiving. Last year we had COVID, and the year before that they were telling everybody not to get together, and so this was the third year. And so my family, they wanted to include us in their Thanksgiving things, and so before the meal they called us to talk to us on the phone, and that was nice. Um, and then they had me pray for their food, which was kind of, you know, kind of, uh, I was thinking, man, I'm off the hook this year because pastor always has to pray for the food. No, they called me, and I had to pray for their food. So I was like, Lord, bless. I was trying to think of how I was going to say it. And I was like, Lord, bless the food that we're all going to eat today. And, and, you know, just, but I was thinking, boy, I'd love to be there eating some of that food. Because it's not the same when you're not there, right? When you think about God being with us, Man, God with us, that's way better than God being distant, right? And so as we think about that, God coming, Emmanuel, God with us, it makes all the difference. And today in this passage in Matthew 1, we're going to see some important results of Emmanuel. We're going to see some important results of God being with us. And these aren't just results for Israel as they were crying out some 2,000 years ago, God deliver us, save us, and they were thinking about the Romans and other oppressions they had had in years gone by. But why 2,000 years later, after Jesus came that first Christmas, why it's still a big deal today to think about Emmanuel, God with us. And so we're going to look at this uh, together today. And in this passage, in the first uh, couple of verses here, God began revealing his plan to Joseph for what he was going to do through Jesus. And you'll notice in verse 18 and verse 19, uh, you know, Joseph kind of uh, jumped to conclusions and thinking about, well, Mary's pregnant and we're engaged, and so the law required that he divorce her, but he was a righteous man. He didn't want to drag her name through the mud, and so he was like, I'm, I'm just going to do this quietly. And then the Lord came to him and said, no, this is a, a very different situation. And he begins explaining of how Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to find here in verse 20 and 21 the first result of God being with us in this passage. And that is this. Because God came to be with us, we know that God understands us. Because God came to be with us, we know that God understands us. Now, before I look to these couple of verses, yeah, we can look to the Old Testament and say there are plenty of passages that show that God understands us and God knows us. For instance, Psalm 139 says this, Lord, you search me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. 
The Old Testament is very clear. God knows what's going on in our lives, uh, and he understands us, right? But still, as Israel cried out, you have to think like, you know, just knowing Israel and all of the things that they tended to do, which are things that we tend to do, they likely forgot about who God was and what he did for them in the past. They seem to do that over and over. And for us, there are times in our lives where we might forget that as well. And when we get to thinking like that someone's in charge who doesn't understand what's going on, like if that happens, if someone's in charge who doesn't understand what's going on, it can create problems. You don't believe me? Just ask Elon Musk with Twitter. You may be seeing that on the news, right? I mean, he, he seems to not know exactly what's going on now that he's become CEO of Twitter, and it's kind of just crumbled. Another one I was thinking of this week is uh, uh, the Chappick fellow from Disney just got fired as the CEO. They put in a new guy. Why? Because they said that he didn't understand what was going on. Now, think about this. If you had a CEO of a company who didn't understand the customers because the custom, they had never been a customer themselves at their own business, you would say, well, something's not right. You know, they, they just don't get us. And here's the thing. I'm thankful today to tell you that God's not like that at all. God is not like some CEO that just sits up there and just kind of runs the show and doesn't relate to us at all. God gets us, and he understands us. And I'm thankful, so thankful that he's not like that. But I want to ask you today, with what you're going through in your life or what you've been through recently, have you ever thought that he doesn't understand? Have you ever maybe thought in your own mind, well, God just doesn't get it? You know, here I am going through this, and I'm praying to him for this, and he just seems like he's not there or like he just doesn't get what I'm going through. And maybe in your life, kind of like Israel from time to time, you have felt like that in that same way. Now, again, we look to the Bible. We know this isn't true about God from looking at his word, but our tendency is to jump to our own conclusions and to think, well, God must not understand us. Well, look at verse 20 here. It says, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream saying this, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he comes to, to Joseph and says, Jesus is very different. But then look at what he says in verse 21. She will give birth to a what? A son. Now sometimes it's weird for us to think about Jesus being born into the world as a baby just as we were. Like, Yes, he's fully God, and, and the Bible shows that, and we see that with Emmanuel, but he was a son. He was a baby. He was a human just like us. Now, as you think about Jesus being a human, living in, in the world that he created, but that we messed up with our sin, all of the things he experienced in this world were things that you and I experience as well. You know, again, from time to time, we think no one can understand us, but I, I want you to think about what Jesus went through. Because he was a son, because he was a human, he was tempted 
just like we are. Matthew 4, 1, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He knows what it's like to be tempted with some of the things that you're tempted with. Jesus also experienced pain, very real pain. 1 John 3, 16 reminds us this is how we've come to know love, that he laid down his life for us. You think Jesus doesn't know about pain? He knows about pain. Jesus also grew tired. Have you ever felt like you're tired? You're just worn out? I know uh, through seasons like we're in right now where everything's just hectic and, and there's so many events and so many things going on, we can just feel tired. Jesus knew what it was like to feel tired. Recently in our Bible study on Wednesday night, we studied this, that uh, while Jesus was on boats with his disciples, he took opportunities to nap. He knows what it's like to, to be worn out. Jesus had sorrow. John eleven thirty five 35 tells us that he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. His heart was broken at people uh, and their unbelief. The ways that he was mistreated, the ways that he was uh, seen as an outcast. Jesus knows what it's like to experience sorrow, but he also knows what it's like to experience loneliness. Maybe for you, this year through Thanksgiving, through Christmas, has been a time that you just said, you know, I feel lonely this year. And maybe you feel like there's no one around that understands that. There's no one around that you can call upon or lean upon in your time of loneliness. Understand that Jesus was lonely. The Bible tells us in John 7, verse 5, that his brothers at that point in time basically rejected him. They didn't believe in him. They thought he was crazy. His own family didn't really want anything to do with him at certain times. Jesus knew what it was like to be lonely. He experienced everything that we experience, and Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. So friend, this morning I want to tell you, don't buy into the lie that no one understands what you're going through. Don't buy into the lie that that no one realizes the hurt or the pain. God understands because Jesus went through the same things that we walk through every single day. Now I'll say this, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I understand what you're going through. And it's another thing to care, right? I mean, there are times that maybe people in our lives have understood what we're going through, but they just don't seem to care. And maybe that's how you feel right now. There are people around you who understand, but they just don't care. But I want you to know today from Scripture that not only does God understand you, but because God came to be with us, we know that God cares for us. Because God came to be with us, Emmanuel, we know that God cares for us. Now think about Israel's situation here at this point. While we're reading Matthew 1, it's, we're recalling Israel's history. And for hundreds of years, they had been oppressed. They had been waiting on deliverance from nation after nation who had taken over them. And they had in mind, when the Messiah came that first Christmas, they had in mind what they wanted for Christmas. It was somebody, a Messiah, to come in and to deliver them from the Romans, to deliver them from that oppressive government that was over top of them. However... God had something very different in mind. Have you ever been in that situation where you wanted something, but you ended up getting something else? Now, I remember as a kid, 
I would sit down with the, uh, it was the Sears catalog when I was a kid. And man, Sears had this big, thick wish book that they would put out. And I would spend so much time going through that thing. I don't even think my parents shopped at Sears. But I loved looking at that catalog. And as I looked through that, I would circle things I wanted and create this wish list of everything that I knew that I needed to get for Christmas. Now, if you have kids, you kind of know how it goes now, or grandkids. Well, I'll say grandkids. Okay, you get everything you want from your grandparents. Uh, but if you have kids, you know how it goes, right? So you, get, you might get them a few things that they want that's on their list. Then you get them a few things that's maybe not on their list. But then you get them some things that they would never ask for that you just know that they need. Now, these were the things like at Christmas time that I remember thinking, like every year I was like, man, why do I have to get socks? You know, I, I go to my stocking and there's socks in my stocking. I'm like, why are there socks in my stocking? I didn't really want them, but boy, I wore those socks, didn't I? I needed them. And you know, here's the deal. Sometimes with God, it's the same way. We had this idea of things that we want. For Israel, it was de deliver us from the oppressive Romans. But God instead wanted to give them something greater that they needed. In fact, he used the Romans to accomplish what they actually needed. And you see, sometimes when we think the best thing that God could do if he cared about me is deliver me from my situation, Sometimes God's like, you know, you just got to press through it because I have something greater in store for you. And we don't understand it, but sometimes God just gives us the things that we need, and we can be thankful for that. Now, as you think about your life, I want you to know God doesn't always work the way that we think he should, but he always does what's best in every situation. And here, Israel thought they knew what they needed, but God knew what they really needed. Look back to verse 21. It says, she will give birth to a son. Remember, he's, he's a baby. He's human. But he's coming for a di very different reason. It says, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from the Romans. Is that what it says? Because he will save his people from their heartaches. Is that what it says? He will save his people from anything bad ever happening to them. Is that what it says? No, it says what we need. He will save his people from their what? Sins. You know, in life, we think we've got problems and we have all these things going on in life. And yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not making light of any situation. There are tough situations in life. But the reason why we have tough situations is because our world is broken by sin. You know, it wasn't meant to be like this. But when sin came into the world, it messed everything up. When sin came into my life, it messed my life up. When sin came into your life, it messed your life up. And here's the reality. The Bible says that not only does a, a sin affect the world and everything's broken, but the wages of sin is death. And Jesus said that if we die in our sin apart from Christ, that we die and spend eternity in hell. Now, if you can think, even in that, that video that we watched a few moments ago about all of the, the difficult things going on in life with, with, you know, people having unclean water and people not having shelter and all this, it stated a few moments ago the, the real truth that the greatest problem in the world today is lostness. The greatest problem in the world today is people dying in sin 
apart from Christ. And that's the reason Jesus came, because he knew that we needed a Savior. And he proved that he really cared about us because he didn't give us what we wanted. He gave us what we needed. And then when we come to know Christ, our hearts and minds are changed and we realize no longer is the gospel foolishness, but it's the power of Christ to those who are being saved. Like our our minds are completely changed about Christ. Now this morning, I want you to know that Jesus came because he understands what you're going through and he cares about you. He died on the cross because he loves you. He took your sin upon himself and on that third day he came back to life. And the Bible says if you turn from your sin and believe Jesus died on the cross and came back to life for, for you and begin to follow him, the Bible says that you can be called a disciple, that you can be called a Christian, you can have eternal life if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you'll be saved. Let me tell you right now, if you've never made that decision to have a relationship with Jesus, that's the only way that you'll find someone who truly understands, who truly cares, who truly loves you. And the Bible says when we turn to Jesus in faith, we can experience that. So if you don't know Jesus today, that is my, my offer to you. Turn to him in faith. You have a God who understands and he cares. And he showed that through coming with, to us to be with us. Look at verse 22 for a moment. There's one final result of God being with us that I want to share today. Look at what it says. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son... And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, at this point, you know, they had been longing for a Savior, a Redeemer. And Jesus came, God in the flesh, to dwell among the creation. But there was one result from Emmanuel, from God being with us, that the people who were living there at this first Christmas didn't realize and wouldn't realize till years later. One great benefit that every single one of us, and blessing that every single one of us gets to realize today. I want you to keep your finger there in Matthew 1 and turn to John 16. You know, Jesus did a lot of uh, great things during his ministry here in the Bible. Um, We see that really up until the age 30, there's not a lot written about Jesus. We have some things, and we know in his childhood he was very unique, and he was even teaching the relig- religious leaders as a child and, and things like that. And so he was catching a lot of attention. But then when his ministry started at the age of 30, he began uh, preaching and teaching. He began uh, healing people, casting out demons, uh, feeding the hungry, doing all these amazing things. But everything pointed to the kingdom of God. And then for the disciples who had followed him so closely for those months, those years, the idea that Jesus would die on the cross and come back to life and then go back to heaven was kind of scary for them. But Jesus provided them with this encouragement in John 16, beginning in verse 5. Look at what he says here. He says, But now I am going away to him who sent me, And not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Again, they they were scared. They were sad about the idea of Jesus going away. 
But here's what he said. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It's for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. And what Jesus is talking about here and is referring to here as the counselor would ultimately be shown to us in in the book of Acts being the Holy Spirit who was coming to be with them. God the Holy Spirit, now because Jesus came, was able to reside within every believer. Because Jesus died on the cross and came back to life, we can now be seen as righteous, which means because of Christ's righteousness being imputed to us because of his death and his resurrection, now God the Holy Spirit can reside within us where he couldn't have before because of our sin, because we were so broken. But now, since Jesus did that for us, we can have Emmanuel, God, with us, and he can stay with us. And that is another great blessing, great result from Emmanuel, is because God came to be with us, God can now stay with us. Emmanuel wasn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. If you trust Jesus as your Savior, he is with you today. And sometimes we forget that. We walk through life and we forget that God is with us. But he's right there every single step of the way for for what you're going through today. Through what you'll go through this week, those things that you don't know about. And the truth is, we all need the Lord to navigate through this life. You know, I've heard it so many times from Christians. People who say, I just don't understand how people can get through some of life's difficulties without the Lord. And again, because Jesus came, you can know him. You can have him if you repent and turn to him in faith. Here's what, in Acts 2.38, here's what Peter said. He says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you want God to be with you, if you want to realize his love, his, his grace, his peace, his joy, In all situations in life, it begins by putting your faith in Jesus and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life. And as he leads you, as he guides you, you realize God does understand. He does care. He is with me every step of the way. And Christian, I want to ask you today, have you forgotten that God is with you? And maybe in your situation, you've been crying out something similar to that song, Oh, come, Emmanuel, God be with me, forgetting that he is with you. As we look back to Matthew 1, I think it's so interesting what Matthew does with his gospel. Matthew 1, 22 and 23 said this, Look, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken to the, by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. So he makes it clear off the bat, Jesus has come so God could be with us. Now I want you to turn to the end of Matthew. The very last sentence of Matthew. Matthew starts his gospel with this idea that Emmanuel 
has come to be with us, God with us. Jesus is here. And look at how he ends his gospel. Just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he's speaking with his disciples, and look at what he says. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus came, God with us, and the last words that Matthew recorded that Jesus said was, remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now because Emmanuel, now because God has come, he can be with us always and is with us always. That means in times of loneliness, he's with you always. In times of temptation, he's with you always. In times of sorrow, he's with you always. Times of heartache, he's with you always. In times of fear, he's with you always. In times of doubt, he is with you always. And so today, the good news is we no longer have to cry out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, for his first coming. Why? Because Emmanuel has come. And we always have to remember that he is with us always, and we are his, and he is ours. And now we just long for that second coming. O come, Emmanuel, we're ready to be with you. Let's pray together. Father, as we think about Emmanuel, what it means that God is with us. Lord, we know that for many of us, we go through situations in our lives that we just, we feel that loneliness, we feel that, that hurt, that desperation, and sometimes it feels like that we are all by ourselves. Lord, for maybe someone here today, they've been trying to walk through life with, without you in their lives, and today is their day of salvation. Lord, I pray through your spirit that you would convict them of their sin and they would realize that they need you in their broken life. Lord, for us as believers, we know that we live in a broken world and, and we're still affected by sin all around us. And Lord, as we think about that, we're thankful that we don't have to walk through this life alone. Lord, we don't have to to feel like we're by ourselves, but Lord, we're thankful that your spirit is with us every step of the way. And so Lord, for that person who's been navigating a difficult time in their life, right now, Lord, I pray that your presence would be real to them and they would trust that you are there with them, working out your plan, walking with them every step of the way. Lord, in this time of commitment, may we in our hearts learn to trust you more and learn to me be even more grateful that you've come to be with us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.